Amen. Merry Christmas. It's almost here, isn't it? Can we hear it for the eight folks that got baptized this morning? Man. The baptismal pool's a little closer to the stage than it normally is, and I was not counting on the water displacement. <laughs> but we had it. So, man, it is so good to see you in church today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so glad you're here. You should have got, or you're going to get, maybe when you leave, a Christmas invite card. Did you get that coming in? You're probably going to get that going out. Don't forget to utilize the Christmas invite cards. Invite a friend, a family member, a neighbor to the Christmas Eve service. That is next weekend. Now, normally our candlelight service, do you remember when we normally have it? At night. What's different this year? It's going to be in the morning at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. And then you're going to get to go and eat all the food you want to eat. Do all the stuff you want to do and be with family and Visit in-laws and outlaws and everything in between, right? So make sure you invite a friend, though. We want you to come and be a part of that. It's going to be a great, great morning. Uh, we're just going to celebrate Jesus. We're going to have communion. It is going to be wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Now, I'm going to say this wrong, Miss Marion. Coatsy? Did I get it right? One of our missionaries from South Africa? Am I right? Yes. Okay. She looked at me like, what? I wasn't sure. Let's welcome Miss Marianne Coetzee, a missionary to South Africa that we support. God bless you for your work. It is so awesome that you are here today because we have been in a series called A Fresh Look at Christmas. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Andy Stovall. I am one of the campus pastors here at the bridge. And it is a pleasure to be with you and to share with you today. But we've been looking at a fresh look at Christmas. and We've looked at through the lenses of It's a Wonderful Life. And how George Bailey was shown how his town, how everyone's life would have been so vastly different had he not been in it. And... Focusing on the fact that one life truly does matter. Do you guys remember whose life we looked at the very first week of this study? We looked at the life of Jesus, right? And how different would our life be? We wouldn't have done this if Jesus hadn't come, would we? We wouldn't have celebrated baptisms. Then we looked at who? We looked at Joseph's life next. And how different our lives would have been if Joseph had never lived. And then we looked at life through the eyes of a child and Christmas through the eyes of a child and boy how different would our life be if our children weren't here man I'm telling you they bring us so much joy don't they they bring us so much laughter they bring us so much pain <laughs> they spend so much money <laughs> I'll stop I'll stop I did the same thing Today I want us to look at what our lives would have been like if Mary had never lived. If Mary had not been here, what does her life teach us? What do we learn from Mary's life? Can we just start by acknowledging the impact that she has had on all of human history? I mean, I want you to think about it. Think about this right here. How many people can be as well known as she is by only one name? One name. Now we look at popular culture. 
And we see there are some people who are known just by one name. Uh, Adele is known by one name. Anybody know Adele? You heard of Adele? Beyonce is known by one name. Um, For the more seasoned crowd in the room, Elvis. (laughs) Now I know who I'm working with today. (laughs) Elvis, yeah! Cher. And... And, you know, even Madonna is known by one name. But there are people in human history that have been known by one name, but no one of the significance of Mary. Just that name. And and so much is conjured up in our, our minds. And we know her so well just by that name, but yet there's a lot we don't know about her. But let's look at what we do know. And we saw a lot of it in the clip. First thing we know is she was a virgin, right? She was pledged to Joseph, um, but the two had not yet been married, correct? So we know she was a virgin. They were not yet married, and then she became pregnant. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, can you imagine as the fiancé hearing this news and finding out that your uh, fiancé is pregnant and She says, but I'm telling you, I've never been with a man. I am impregnated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Any man walking on the planet would say, what to that? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Right. So Joseph decided to do what any good man would do, and he was going to put her away quietly, right? He was going to divorce her quietly, walk away from the commitment that they had made. And then in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. It says, but after he considered doing this, putting her away quietly, in verse 19, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. An angel visited Joseph, told him to go ahead and take Mary as his wife, and so they married, and Joseph became known as the father of of Jesus. And I know that a lot of you women are here today, and especially a lot of you men are here today because two weeks ago we talked about Joseph, and what was promised was we were going to talk about Mary, and she was going to get her time uh, in the spotlight. And so that's what we are here to do today. Joseph was known as the father of Jesus. On the eighth day, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to present him to the Lord. The next time we see Mary is in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 41, when Jesus is 12 years old and attending Passover at the temple for the very first time. And that is when they had the first home alone moment, right? But they weren't home. They were visiting and they were away, but they left Jesus, Jesus and then realized he's not here. From there, Mary pops up a few times in the Gospels during Jesus' earthly ministry, but not much. We see Mary again at the crucifixion in John 19. Near the cross of Jesus, the Bible says, stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman... Here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. 
And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Then there are a few other references that we see uh, after Jesus' ascension and at Pentecost. But, but that's about it. That's about all we know about this incredible woman. So to answer the question, what does Mary's life teach us? I want us to take a few moments this morning to zoom in on Luke chapter 1. Would you do that with me? You can do that by going to the, to, actually you can go to our app and you can uh, download, it's already there, you can click on it and pull up the notes for today's sermon if you would like to follow along. I probably should have told you that before I gave you three of these scripture references, but I didn't do it. So if you want to do that now, you may. But beginning in Luke chapter 1 in verse 26, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings! What? You are highly favored. The Lord is, would you say it with me? With you. Greetings. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I believe we could echo that today as we sit in this sanctuary. We drove our cars here this morning and it was warm because the heat worked. As long as your heater core hadn't gone out. You had a coat on. You got up out of a nice warm bed. We are truly blessed and highly favored. Would you agree? Amen. The angel came to Mary and said this to her. And it brings us to our first point in this sermon. And it may be, you may see this initially and go, what? But hang on with me just a second. Mary was favored. Yet... She was flawed. Now what do I mean by that? The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The phrase highly favored comes from a Greek word that I'm not even going to begin to attempt to say. But it occurs only once in Scripture. We don't have a lot of context to it. But it means much grace. What is grace? Unmerited favor, right? When God extended His grace to us, He gave us His unmerited favor. What does unmerited favor mean? It means that I'm going to, He said, I'm going to love you and I'm going to be kind to you and I'm going to give you the greatest gift I could ever give you. You haven't earned it. You haven't done one thing to earn this. As a matter of fact, it's just the opposite, right? It's just the opposite. And so... We see this unmerited favor, this, this grace that is extended to Mary. She was a righteous woman, a favored woman, a woman of God. And a woman who God had enormous plans for. I would say greater plans than any woman that's ever lived. To become pregnant and give birth to Jesus, would you agree? What a miracle. But Mary, according to scripture, just like all of us, was a human being, right? And so she had frailty and flaws, just like we all do. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says this, Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. There's no one, except who? Jesus, right? 
Hebrews teaches us, and I don't have the scripture reference up here this morning, but Hebrews teaches us that we have... Uh, We don't have, rather, a high priest that is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Yet he was tempted in every way, just like we were, except he did not sin. The only one who never sinned. What's another passage that lends us to believe that even though she was highly favored by God, there was flaw and frailty in her life? Romans 3.23. What does it say? Can you quote it? If you can't. It's right there. What does it say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in the Greek, that word all means all. (laughs) It means everybody. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. Favored, yet flawed. Now I want to say something right here. When I was called into ministry, I knew God had made a mistake. I knew he had blown it because neither Jesus, the kingdom of God, nor Whitley or the bridge. I've been here so long, we've changed names, you know, when you hang around that long. Um, But neither Whitley Church or the bridge church, they weren't looking for me. Anybody else ever feel that way? God's called you to do something. God's called you to serve in an area. God's called you to be a parent. I remember when that lunatic nurse brought my daughter to my car and put her in it and walked away. I said, you don't need to be walking away right now. I barely got here myself. I can't get this one home. There's no way. You know, they just didn't know. I mean. Do you remember that day? Am I the only one that was struck with such awe and fear and trepidation? Oh my goodness, I remember it. And, and look, it was so unbelievably overwhelming, I decided to do it three more times. What is wrong with me? Good grief. I am not a fast learner, okay? <laughs> We've all been called to things that feel bigger than us, right? You, you know your occupation is a calling. It's an area where God wants to use you in this world to make an impact on this world. And I pray that you'll do it. I pray that you'll look and see this life of Mary and say, you know what? She was 100% human being. And if God can use her in the way that he did, he can use me. He can use me. I want to say something else. Right now, I am the father of two beautiful young women. I got two boys. They're, well, they're like me, you know. So I've, I've got two beautiful young girls. I've got two amazing boys. But I want to say something to our women in this audience today. I want to speak to what society says about beauty. What is beautiful versus what is flawed. Martin Luther King Jr. said, and y'all know this quote, and I agree with it. I look to a day when people will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I would add this, and not be judged by your form 
or body type, young ladies. Let me say this to you. If you belong to Jesus, you are a daughter of God and you are beautiful. And Hollywood... Hollywood and popular culture does not get to define what beauty is. They don't. Have you turned on the TV lately? There's some learning that they need to do. It's messed up out there. But I want to tell you something, young lady. You are beautiful in the sight of God. You are, the Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully Made And God has formed and fashioned you for a very specific purpose. If you are looking at a Barbie doll or any other image on, a, uh, on, on, the, on the internet, listening to what social media tells you, you are supposed to look like or be, I'm telling you, you need to throw that out and you need to look in the mirror and you need to know that you are gorgeous in the sight of Almighty God. And don't let anybody ever tell you different. And I'm going to go one more. Don't you settle for a man who says you've got to change or he won't be with you or he won't love you. Mm. It's a little close to me. If they do tell you that, bring them up here because I got some big friends that I just baptized and we will put the whoop on them. <laughs> See, I ain't got to be big, I just got to have big friends. <laughs> it's like that man that was being chased by the bear. He wasn't real fast, he couldn't outrun that bear, but he didn't have to outrun that bear, he just had to outrun his buddy. <laughs> Okay, boy, I'm running rabbits now. That's not in my notes. Here's the point. Maybe you're here today and you know there's a calling on your life. Maybe you're called to the worship team or you're called to teach in kids' church. But you thought, you know what, I'm too sinful. There is no way that I, can, I could ever do that. When God got ready to bring Jesus into this world, he used a girl. He chose Mary. She was afraid. I, I, I tell you, we, we try to simulate that through video. We've tried to do it on stage in dramas. We can't even come close. Can you even imagine if God, if an angel appeared to you, you know, I mean, we'd be like a puddle. And God used her in the way that he did. Oh, my goodness. Don't ever think you cannot be used by God. Don't ever think I'm too messed up for God to have any purpose or use for me. Everybody else, yes, but not me. Never believe that lie. Because it, that is from the enemy. It is from the pit of hell. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Secondly, Mary's calling was astounding. Yet it appeared average. Her calling was astounding, remarkable, unbelievable. She was going to be the mother of the single most important human being that ever lived on this planet. No pressure. That's all I want you to do. Try not to mess it up. 
In verse 33, it says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Amen. And he looked at Mary and said, that's who you're having. Once he was born, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple. Simeon and Anna are there to prophesy over Jesus. They begin to tell Mary and Joseph how important Jesus' life will be. Now I want you to picture this for a moment. The angel visits. God directs shepherds and wise men to come. People are prophesying over this child. Many supernatural events are happening surrounding his life. And yet when you look at him, here's a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. But the Bible says he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Because of the work and life of Jesus, we go to South Africa. We go to India. We go to points all around the globe and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of what this child Represented because of who he was and because of what he did. And Mary had the distinct opportunity to be a part of that history being written. See, our culture says if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, flies like a duck, it's a duck. That's not how the kingdom of God works. Oftentimes it's in very humble beginnings. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. When God wanted to save the world, He sent a baby. When God wants to move in your life in a major way, it doesn't always look like you think it will. You ever, you ever had a plan? Anybody ever had a plan? You ever planned anything? Please tell me you have. <laughs> nope. Just day by day, baby, thanking God for cable. <laughs> cable and Cheetos and Dr. Pepper, and I'm good, you know. Of course we've got a plan. Without a plan, you can't have no, either, none of those things. <laughs> they don't always work out the way we think they do, do they? Matter of fact, I don't know any plan that I've ever set out on, any journey I've ever set out on, Michael, that, that ended up kind of progressing exactly the way I thought it would progress. A lot of times there are bumps in the road, aren't there? A lot of times. Actually, if there aren't bumps in the road, I get a little worried. <laughs> I need a little bump in the road to remind me God's still in control and this ain't up to me. Amen? It's the law of seed and harvest. What we want is a harvest. So what we need is a seed to sow. The seed doesn't look like the harvest, does it? It's just a little seed. So we begin to get frustrated. 
But God's word to you this morning is that you are to faithfully do what he has called you to do even though you can't see the harvest right now. Even though you may just be looking in the bag and you see a few little kernels of corn. I remember helping my daddy plant corn. Little bitty bag of seed. You put it in the ground, that don't... Daddy, I can eat that at one sitting, okay? But we plant those seeds in the ground. And what would happen from those seeds being planted? Oh, the rain would fall prayerfully, hopefully. It's summer in northeast Georgia, so sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. But that harvest would come. That corn would grow. Stalks began to take shape. You started seeing cobs form all over these things and then the little silk would turn brown and then we knew time to get some silver queen corn boy that's the best cream corn isn't that good I'm getting y'all hungry so y'all be ready for lunch and see y'all get out at 1030 today so you're going to beat everybody to church the seed doesn't look like the harvest but plant the seed God will work out the harvest. Thomas Edison said it this way. I don't have it on the screen, but you might want to write it down. Opportunity is missed by most because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. So getting back to Mary, the big calling God had for her was to raise Jesus. Maybe Mary wanted something different. Maybe she wanted to be known. Maybe she wanted to heal blind. I don't know. But her calling was to raise Jesus. Andy Stanley said it this way. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do. But someone you raise. It may not be something you do. But someone you raise. Was this true of Morrow Coffee? that name familiar to anybody? You ever heard of Morrow Coffee? That was her name before she was married. She got married, had a son who led 3 million people to Christ and preached the gospel to over 80 million people during his lifetime. Her son's name, the Reverend Billy Graham. How about Betsy Holton? Ever heard of Betsy? I know some Betsy's, but didn't know Betsy Holton. She was the mother of seven children and had twins on the way. Her husband passed away suddenly. But she did a remarkable job raising one of the greatest evangelists and educators that our world has ever known, a man named D.L. Moody. Definitely true of Mary. That the greatest thing she did was raise a son. It's true of us as well. It may not be raising a child, but it is whatever God has put in your path to do. Galatians 6-9 says this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give Not grow weary. I'm raising teenagers right now. 
Some of you have already done that. That's why you're smiling at me. Because <laughs> you're resting now. <laughs> Some of you are in it with me right now. We're trying to figure out how to get a little smarter. I don't know how I got so dumb, but I'm trying to figure it out. But I'm not going to grow weary in doing good. I'm not going to grow weary in doing what God's called me to do. Mamas out there, don't grow weary in doing good. Aunts out there, don't grow weary in doing good. Bridge kids, leader, don't grow weary in doing good. You may be sitting here today and say, I, I'm, I'm single. I don't have any kids. How's this message for me? How does it affect me? None of us live in a vacuum. None of our lives are contained right here and only affect us. It's just like sin. You know, we think when we commit sin, maybe we're in rebellion. We think, well, I can just hide that and contain that and keep that all to myself. Sin doesn't work that way. It's got tentacles that reach out and they affect many, many people's lives. There isn't a person in earshot of my voice that lives in a vacuum. Your life matters and it's making a difference to somebody else. Don't get weary in doing good. Amen. That's a great place to clap right there. <laughs> Mary was favored yet flawed. She was, her calling was astounding yet it appeared average. And finally, Mary learned that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. In verse 36 of this chapter, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible for God. What's impossible for God? Absolutely nothing. So let's get this straight in our minds. Mary's having a baby, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth is having a child too. This lady, who in verse 7 of this very chapter is described as barren and well along in years. Mary's life is a perfect reminder that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. I don't care how distant you or your spouse have become. God can save your marriage. I don't care how far your children have run away from faith. God can bring them back. I don't care where you were last week or what you did last night. God is passionate for you. He can save you. That's the beauty of the Christmas story. The beauty of the Christmas story is that God came for you. Humble beginnings. Humble beginnings. You know the most incredible, miraculous stuff that happens in your life isn't in those high, high moments or those low, low moments. It's in that mundane. You know, when we talk about raising children, you think about that whole process. There are highs. There are lows. But most of it is right here, isn't it? Most of it happens right there. Just in the everyday stuff of life your greatest impact 
is going to happen in these places where you're one-on-one with people, where you're sitting at a traffic light and somebody cuts you off or somebody celebrates your position in this world and tells you you're number one. And the person behind you is watching to see how you respond to what they just did to you. Do you know that the percentage of fatalities from road rage is up just astronomically now? I mean, I don't think it's like 70%, but it's like triple what it was a few years ago. And Sheriff, you tell me if I'm wrong, but that's absolutely nuts. That's crazy. Their life doesn't occur in a vacuum. What they do affects other people. What you do affects other people. God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. He sent his son not to get you. Not, he didn't come with belt in hand to give you lashes. He came with arms open wide ready to redeem And use you in a powerful way. Now ladies, I've spoken to you today the best I can. Because I ain't a lady. (laughs) I wouldn't be a good one. I'm not a nurturer. I wouldn't be a good mom. I'm not not good at at, at the nurturing thing and the... You know, the, the empathy thing is, is not like mama is. Mama can just sit down and mama says the same thing that I say. And yet my kids are like, oh, I get it, yes. Five minutes ago I said the very thing to them and it was like I was a Martian, you know. An alien trying to communicate with them the best I could through ticks and pops and all this stuff. And mom just comes in and kisses them on the forehead and it's like, yeah, great. You know, got it. Ladies, God's got a plan for your life. Wherever you are in your life. Whether you're like Mary and you're a a mom-to-be. Whether you've got children. Whether you're an, an aunt. Whatever place God has you in your life. Dwight L. Moody's mom was a single parent most of his life. He was four years old when his daddy died. I don't know of a harder job on the planet. It's hard being a parent. Being a single parent, that's tough. My hat is off to you. God bless you for the work that you do and the impact you make. Don't grow weary in doing good. You may not see it right now. You may not recognize it right now, but you are making a profound impact on your child. And not just him or her, but the people that you run in circles with. They're watching your life and they see your commitment. Will you open your arms to Jesus today? Will you open your heart to him this Christmas season? Will you do this? Will you stop believing a lie? Thinking that my life has no purpose. My life has no meaning. 
Because God has you poised. Ladies, God has you poised to use you in a very powerful, impactful way. You are not an object of someone's affection. You are not eye candy or whatever else the world may say a lady is supposed to be. You are beautiful in God's sight. And He wants to use you. Will you trust Him? Will you let Him? Will you honor Him and obey Him and say yes to Him today? And respond to Him and everyone in the world around you as the daughter of God that we know you are. I'm so proud of you. So honored to stand before you. And so humbled. Because it's women that have been in my life that have made some of the most profound impacts on me that have ever been made. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we thank you for the life of Mary. We thank you for what we learn from her. I pray that as we go from this place this morning, God, that we would be challenged. That we would be challenged as women to, to step out and answer the call that you have on our life, knowing that you've got a great plan and purpose for the ladies that are in this room. And for the men that are in this room, that we would understand and acknowledge the tremendous value that the women in our lives bring. That we're better because they're a part of our life. You know, oftentimes we say behind every good man is a great woman. And that is absolutely true. But I don't know that we always respond that way. God forgive us for that. Lord, I want my daughters... I want the people in my life, the ladies in my life that I know to understand that I acknowledge their greatness. I acknowledge their potential. And I celebrate what you are going to do in and through their lives. We know there is only one Mary, mother of Jesus. But there are a lot of a lot of women in this room who are, you are already using in powerful, powerful ways and many more that are poised to answer the call. May we all do that. May we all learn from Mary. Yes, God, you extend so much favor to our lives. To me. God, with so many flaws, with so much going on, and yet you choose to use me. God, remind us that nothing is impossible with you. So whatever we walked in here with today, that we thought, there's no way anybody will ever be able to help me. There's no way anything's going to ever change these circumstances in my life God that we would trust you enough this morning to bring it to you and to 
trust you. To trust you enough to know that if you could bring the Son of the living God into this world through Mary, there is nothing you cannot do in our lives. We surrender all to you today, Lord. We surrender it all. I don't have the strength or the wisdom or the constitution to do it myself, God. I surrender to you. Use me. Use me for your glory. What we want, God, more than anything else in this life is to be loved and for our life to have mattered. And what Jesus is saying to us this morning, church, is your life matters. Your life. Insert your name there. Andy's life matters to God. And if you'll surrender, it'll not only make a difference in your own personal life, but God's going to use you to make a difference in countless others. Lord, thank you for that. God, I pray that if there are any here today who hear me say words like daughter of God or son of God and they say I I can't affirm that because I've never asked Jesus into my heart or into my life I've never asked him to forgive me of my sins you can do that right here today by just saying Lord I I give my life to you I don't understand what it means. I don't understand all the implications of it. But I trust you. The Bible teaches us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through who? Jesus. And so, Lord, because we know that truth from your word, I say yes to you today. I understand that, not much, but I understand that the wages of my sin is death and I, I want to live. So I surrender my life to you, God, right now, in this moment. If that is you this morning, I don't ask this often, but with every head bowed and every eye closed, this Christmas season... If this morning your desire is to receive the greatest gift that has ever been given to this world. You want to say yes to Jesus today. Would you just right where you are lift your hand up and put it right back down. Say Jesus I say yes to you this morning. Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Can we rejoice in what the Lord has done in this place this morning. Amen. Thank you so much for allowing me to be with you today. It is always such an honor and such a privilege to stand before you.
and, and speak and share the truth of God's Word. Thank you for coming to church today. This altar is open. If you would like to receive prayer, there will be people here to pray with you. And don't forget on your way out, One for Change this morning. I want to go ahead and tell you we don't often do this, but One for Change this month is also going to be coupled with the um, That's a Wrap initiative that we're doing to help uh, families in our community. Thus far, we're, we've already been able to help about five families for Christmas this year. I think it's going to probably double after today. But I appreciate your faithfulness in giving to One for Change. God bless you so much. Have a wonderful afternoon. Be safe out there. And we will see you Christmas Eve with family and friends. God bless.